आनंद कोटि वैष्णव बृंद की जाए समगत भक्त बृंद की जाए ओ ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमः ओम विष्णु बनाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतदे श्रीमते भक्तिवदात स्वामी नमने नमस्ते सारस्वत देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारने निर्वशेष शून्यवारी पाश्चात्यतरने श्रीकृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभो नित्यानंद श्रीअद्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासरी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा 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 हरे हरे रीडिंग फ्रॉम श्रीमद बाबू कैंटो वन चैप्टर फिफ्टीन वर्स फोर्टी हे साधु कृत Sadhukrita, having performed everything worthy of a saint. Sarvata, that which includes everything worthy. Gyatva, knowing it well. Achantikam, the ultimate. Atmanaha, of the living being. Manasa, within the mind. Darayam asu, sustained. Vaikuntha, the Lord of the spiritual sky. Jarna ambujam, the lotus feet. Translation: They all had performed all the principles of religion. 
and as a result rightly decided that the lotus feet of the Lord, Sri Krishna, are the supreme goal of all. Uh, therefore, they meditated upon his feet without interruption. Purport, in the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that only those who have done pious deeds in previous lives and have become freed from the results of all impious acts could concentrate upon the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna. The Pandavas, not only in this life, but also in their previous lives, had always performed the supreme pious work and thus they are ever free from all the reactions of impious work. It is quite reasonable therefore that they concentrated their minds upon the lotus feet of the Lord, Supreme Lord Sri Krishna. According to Srila Vishnu Chakravarti, Dharma, Artha, Kama and Moksha principles are accepted by persons who were not free from the results of impious action. Such persons affected with the contaminations of the above four principles cannot at once accept the lotus feet of the Lord in the spiritual sky. The Lord, the Vakuntha world is situated far beyond the material sky. The material sky is under the management of Durga Devi or the marginal energy of the Lord but the Vakuntha world is managed by the personal energy of the Lord. Translation, they all had performed all the principles of religion and as a result rightly decided that the lotus feet of the Lord Sri Krishna are the supreme goal of all. Therefore they meditated upon his feet without interruption. Uh, so here we have a description of the qualities of the uh, other Pandavas. Uh, Yudhisthira was already described, but here we have a description of the brothers who followed in the footsteps of Yudhisthira. And thus, uh, like Yudhisthira, they renounced everything and uh, they concentrated on the Supreme Lord. So here in the last two lines it says they concentrated their minds upon the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord. Uh, so, uh, of course, here's this Vaikuntha Charanambu Jam. They concentrate on the lotus feet of Vaikuntha. <laughs> uh, Vaikuntha can mean a place, it can also mean the person. Uh, but there is also in Avatar the Supreme Lord called Vaikuntha. Uh, and the literal meaning, of course, he's the Supreme Lord. And uh, the literal meaning of Vaikuntha is uh, that which has no restrictions. Because uh, Kunta means to restrict or limit. So Vaikuntha means without restriction. So it can mean the place, the spiritual world, or it can mean the person, the Supreme Lord, who is infinite in his capacity, infinite in his power, infinite in his knowledge. And uh, also he's inconceivable at all uh, times. So. Uh, this is the uh, conclusion of uh, all knowledge and all scriptures. Uh, so uh, the first line talks about uh, uh, they had attained everything that was worthwhile uh, having performed what was sadhu. Uh, 
So the, the word sadhu means, uh, has a wide definition also, it can mean very good, anything very good, anything uh, nice, uh, and it can mean a gentleman in the normal sense of the term, a person who has good qualities or sattvic nature. Eh? But it also refers to, it can also refer to a yogi, they call them sadhus, you know, in India. But it also refers to the devotee. So that's uh, one of the uh, specialized meanings of the word. So we say sadhu ninda, we're talking about criticizing the devotee when we're talking about Vaishnavas. So uh, it means the, the proper devotee. We don't criticize the proper person who's actually the devotee of the Lord. Uh, so there are many levels of being a good, so we have the regular level of dharma in this material world. And if you follow that, you're considered to be civilized. But then, of course, we have sudras, vaishas, kshatriyas, and brahmanas. And of those, the brahmana is considered to be the best because he is in sattva good, and he studies the Vedas, and he knows the conclusion of the Vedas, or at least he should. Huh? And therefore, he's qualified to instruct the other Varnas of society. So he's the best of the Varnashram system. Uh, and, uh, of course, Brahmana means one who knows Brahman. But then that's the whole question. What is that Brahman? Is it impersonal Brahman or is it para-Brahman? <laughs> huh? So both are, in one sense, passable. They're both spiritual. Uh, Prabhupada explains we have different types of transcendentalists, the people who are aiming beyond this world. So we have the Ganis and the Yogis and the Bhaktas. And therefore, those who get moksha are also transcendentalists in one sense. So, therefore, the, uh, uh, one can go to the stage of liberation and being transcendental in that way. Or one can become a devotee of the Lord and go to the spiritual world and serve Krishna eternally in a spiritual body. So that's another transcendental position. And of the two, uh, the uh, position of being a devotee in the spiritual world is higher according to Bhagavatam. Uh, that, of course, is concluded right here. Where we see the, uh, the Pandavas were intent not upon merging into the impersonal Brahman, uh, but surpassing that and meditating on the lotus feet of the Lord so they could attain the Lord. So they uh, weren't interested in the uh, Brahman aspect of uh, the Supreme Lord. Um, of course, in the first canto, we do have a very interesting definition, uh, and that is that Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are simultaneously aspects of the Lord. So the impersonal aspect is part of the Lord, as well as Paramatma and Bhagavan. So here you have three uh, visions of the Supreme Lord, or three aspects of the Supreme Lord. Uh, and of course, uh, this is repeated several times in the Bhagavatam. And if we look closely, it's also in the Bhagavad Gita at the end. Uh, where Krishna first advises Arjuna, you uh, make your aim Brahman, and then he talks about seeing the Lord everywhere in all living beings, and then he says, surrender unto me. So we have a similar um, description of the Lord in the uh, Bhagavad Gita. So the Lord is simultaneously the goal of liberation of the Ganis, plus he's also the goal of the Yogis as Paramatma, and he's also 
the goal of the devotees is Bhagavan. So he is all three. And all are in one sense approvable because they're aspects of the Supreme Lord. Uh, so therefore we cannot outright condemn the Ganis, etc. Because they are attaining part of the Lord, a vision of the Lord. Yeah. However, uh, we'll find in the Bhagavatam that this is condemned ultimately by the devotees. From the, say, the one perspective, no, because it's spiritual, it's okay. Uh, and it's better than suffering in the material world. It's a freedom from material world. On the other hand, the devotees, from the devotional point of view, it is rejected and completely condemned. Uh, because if you attain that state, you cannot have that state of prema and serving the Lord uh, personally. So it, it, once you get in that state, you're deprived of the higher position. So therefore, it gets condemned by the devotees. Uh, uh, of course, they also condemn the material world. So the uh, material world is condemned, but even that uh, liberated position, the spiritual position <laughs> of liberation is also condemned because it's devoid of bhakti, it's devoid of service to the Lord. So. Uh, from the devotee's point of view, it gets condemned also, even though it is part of the Supreme Lord. But uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has made it very clear that uh, it is also one aspect of the Lord, and that's why uh, Ganis um, aim for that, and that's why it's also mentioned in the scripture. It is part of the Supreme Lord. Uh, uh, which is quite unique uh, because other sampradayas in general uh, don't even accept the aspect of Brahman at all. They, they don't consider it as an aspect of the Lord at all. <laughs> uh, but we consider it an aspect of the Lord. And therefore, we can also uh, include uh, that, uh, that aspect of the Supreme Lord uh, and not reject it and therefore accept those portions of the Vedas which praise it. Okay. So uh, in, in the Upanishads uh, and even in the Puranas this uh, Jnana gets praised and Brahman gets praised. Uh, getting liberation from the material world gets praised. Uh, so it's, it's praiseworthy on one level because it is also an aspect of the Supreme Lord. Uh, so we don't reject that but we also understand it's not the highest thing, it's not the highest aspect of the Lord. Uh, so therefore we, uh, we, we emphasize the uh, realization of the Lord with his form, qualities and activities, that's a higher position. Uh, so uh, one who can come to that position, therefore he's the most praiseworthy. And we have good examples here in the form of the Pandavas and Yudhisthira. Uh, they concentrated on the Lord, they attained the Lord. Of course, they're Nityasiddhas, so they already have the Lord, but uh, they're setting a good example of, of what one should do. So they had understood the conclusion of the scriptures. Uh, there are various levels in the scriptures. So we have the Karma Yoga section of Varnashram on one level, then we have Jnana and Liberation on another level, and then we have Supreme Lord on the highest level with uh, bhakti and prema. Uh, so uh, they understood all of that and they understood what is the highest goal of all, that is to attain the Supreme Lord. Uh, so that is also the message of the Bhagavatam. 
even though it presents Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan as aspects of the Lord, yeah, uh, it emphasizes that we should strive for a personal realization of the Lord. In spite of the fact that we can say it's the rarest, yeah, uh, the rarest realization, uh, uh, still uh, it is um, made the main subject of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, so uh, the, this is the direct instruction of Narada Munita Veda Vyas that you should indicate uh, bhakti over everything else. But not only that, uh, uh, worship of the Lord is supreme, bhakti is supreme, but uh, Narada Muni also made it very clear that you should instruct everyone to worship Krishna. So let's not just be a devotee and, and do bhakti yoga and attain prema, but uh, everyone should become a devotee of Krishna. Uh, so that is the unique feature of the uh, Bhagavatam, and that is the unique feature of the uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya that we are striving for, uh, devotion to Krishna over all other uh, types of bhakti and prema. And uh, the uh, Pandavas are ideal example of that. What did they do? They were uh, concentrating on Krishna. Krishna had disappeared from this planet. Of course, he's never, he doesn't die, so he's eternal. <laughs> he's there in the spiritual world. He's in some other universe performing pastimes. Uh, so the devotees will naturally feel separation if the Lord will disappear. Not only the Pandavas, the people of Dwarka will also feel separation. The people of Vrindavan would feel separation also, as they did previously when Krishna left um, uh, Vrindavan and, and went to Mathura. Uh, so it's natural all the devotees will feel a type of separation from the Lord. And this, at this point in time, there's a, a very uh, decisive separation because the Lord has completely disappeared from the planet. So, uh, what do the devotees do? Uh, so we see different things happen to different devotees. Uh, Uddhava was told to go up to Badranath. <laughs> uh, here, they didn't get any instructions, so they just said, okay, we'll just disappear. <laughs> Krishna's disappeared, we won't disappear also. So, uh, this is exactly what they did. But, that just means they enter into the Lord's spiritual pastimes. Or, they enter into the pastimes with the Lord in another universe. So again, they're united with the Lord and they perform pastimes with Him. So uh, their goal is already achieved in one sense and this is a separate, uh, temporary separation and then again they unite with the Supreme Lord in some other place. Huh? Uh, so the Lord makes arrangements for everyone uh, in His pastimes uh, and they may differ, uh, they may disappear in slightly different ways. Uh, the Lord disappears differently in different, uh, when he has different forms, he dis disappears differently as Ramchandra. Uh, now, in any other form he will disappear differently, but a rather unique way in which he disappeared is Krishna, a very, very strange way. <laughs> it didn't look very glorious because he got shot in the foot, etc. Uh, and subject to this curse of the, uh, of the sages, so a very, very, very strange way of disappearing. Nevertheless, that's there. Uh, and uh, it's discussed by the Acharyas, this peculiar way in which he disappeared uh, and the reasons why. Uh, 
Uh, so the Lord disappears and then uh, the devotees, those who are his eternal associates, have to disappear somehow or other. Uh, so this is the way in which the Pandavas disappeared. Uh, the people, of, the Arus of Dwarka disappeared in a different way. Yeah? They all got, they killed each other in a battle and they disappeared that way. <laughs> and how did the people of Vrindavan disappear? Uh, so that's, a, 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 of course, a different explanations of that. Um, but uh, the one that uh, we commonly see is uh, mentioned in the Padma Purana, quoted by the um, Acharyas, uh, and that is that uh, Krishna went back to Vrindavan uh, after killing Dantavakra uh, at the gate of Dwarka. He was in uh, Dwarka, then he came to, uh, sorry, Mathura, and in Mathura, then he killed Dantavakra, and at that time he got the opportunity to go back to the people of Vrindavan. And there he had past signs with them. And then it's described at the end of that, they all got in a big chariot and went out to the spiritual sky. <laughs> so that was the way in which they disappeared. <laughs> but then, of course, Vishnu Chakravarti says, nobody disappears really. So the people of Rindav, of Dwarka, they seem to have fought and died. But actually the people of uh, Dwarka went back to the city of Dwarka and they're still having past signs with Krishna and Dwarka, <laughs> invisibly. And the people of Vrindavan are also with Krishna in the forest of Vrindavan and they're still having pastimes there in spite of the fact that one of their forms ascended to the spiritual sky. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so there's different arrangements for how the devotees will disappear when the Lord disappears. Huh? Ah, so this is the way in which the uh, Pandavas uh, uh, disappeared. Uh, but though it looks as if they're also have a material body and then they give up their material bodies marching up the Himalayas, etc. Actually, they have spiritual bodies, so all of this idea of, you know, uh, giving up material bodies is only an appearance. This as Krishna's getting uh, shot in the foot by an arrow and, and then uh, seeming to die. It's also an appearance only. And we see that's very clear because uh, where it's described in the, uh, at the end of the Bhagavatam where Krishna disappears, it says, those who could see could see that uh, there was a chariot there, and Krishna simply got on the chariot and ascended to the spiritual world. But from the normal point of view, it looks like he died, and he got shot in the foot and died. But if you had spiritual eyes, then you could see Krishna got in his chariot and ascended to the spiritual sky. So, uh, for people in the material world, Krishna made this particular arrangement. And one of the reasons why is that he is very human-like. And therefore, uh, he likes to um, confuse people with his human-like activities. So if you want to think of Krishna as a mortal being, you can. So therefore, uh, uh, people can criticize him if they want. And, there, and he uh, disappeared in this way, that looked like uh, disappeared like an ordinary human being getting shot. Huh? So that is the uh, version for the uh, materialistic people, they can understand that. So in this way, the Bhagavatam and the pastimes of Krishna are hidden from unqualified people and they can think he's a material living entity. Uh, but for the devotees, they understand that all of this is not actually fact, that the Lord is eternal and uh, all of these um, uh, arrangements are only uh, temporary ways for the Lord to disappear from the eyes of the people of this world. Uh, even the devotees sometimes get a little puzzled, so uh, Bhishma, 
in the first canto also says, your activities are very puzzling for us. <laughs> we do not know what they're doing. Of course, he didn't see Krishna's disappearance, but uh, he saw how Krishna had arranged the war, and Bhishma was on different opposite sides from the Pandavas and all of this. So, uh, it's all arrangement of the Supreme Lord. And he has certain purposes for that. And when it's happening sometimes, or before it's happening, even the devotees find it a little puzzling. Why does Krishna abandon the Pandavas and leave them in the forest and allow them to get harassed by Duryodhana and his brothers, etc.? A little bit puzzling, but it all has a certain purpose. So uh, all these are pastimes of the Lord arranged by Krishna for certain purposes and for the, uh, let's say, um, fulfilling many different goals that are to be achieved when Krishna makes his appearance. Yeah. Yeah, so that is the understanding of the devotees. So we uh, understand the spiritual nature of the pastimes, not the material level. Okay, any question now? Regarding um, when Krishna goes back to Vrindavan, He gets married to everybody there. And Krishna says to the gopis that in the spiritual world they all have their own like, uh, like um, palace or something. If Krishna is there and they'll be married there, but it's only in the material world that they have this parakia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gopal Champu is one of those works of Jiva Goswami in which he supports the idea of eternal uh, Swakiyaras, that ultimately Krishna is married to the gopis. Yeah. And that's the, that's the conclusion of everything. Uh, and uh, of course it comes up also in the Sandarbhas, like the uh, Priti Sandarbha. Also there's some, and Bhakti Sandarbha, there's some commentaries there that go in that direction. Uh, now the counter-argument to that is that some say that well, he was did that for one of his disciples who was very insistent on Parakya Rasa as the conclusion because Parakya was like, you know, illegitimate, everything like that. So uh, he did that for him. That's, that's one thing. Uh, and then, of course, we have in the uh, uh, commentary on Ujwal and Nilamani there, uh, I think uh, Jiva Goswami there, he says, uh, and there's one verse, I think, near the very beginning of the work in which he says, some of this I've written by my own will, some of it I've written because of other people. <laughs> so therefore that indicates that some of those, what we say, Vishnu says, this is the, that's why he says Swakya Rasa, because Vishnu says Parakya Rasa, that's eternal. <laughs> so he says this was written by Jiva Goswami to um, this idea of the uh, Swakya or the married Krishna with the gopis as being the eternal form is as written for some people, but ultimately the Parakya is supreme. That was his argument. In any case, uh, and then he gives a whole uh, argument of what actually Jiva Goswami means <laughs> when he's talking about this Swakya, Parakya, etc. Uh, so anyway, um, th those uh, this are quite evident in the Ujjwal Nilamani. Krishna goes back and he marries all the gopis, <laughs> and then that's their eternal position in the spiritual world. Uh, so, the defense of that is that, um, also in Ujwal Numani it says, as was Rupa Goswami's work, that uh, there is separation 
uh, and uh, everything. And then finally, uh, the, the, there's union, and then there is this, uh, uh, this marriage, marriage takes place. He, he seems to indicate that a little bit. There's uh, a final conclusion to everything where there's no more tension anymore. Uh, they said, okay, they get married, that's the conclusion. <laughs> Though we can say it's not so definite with uh, Rupa Goswami there, but then that's the, the argument given by uh, Jiva Goswami in some places. So therefore he says that finally they should get married, so therefore in the, uh, um, uh, the Gopal Champo then finally he has this whole scene where Krishna marries all the millions of gopis there. <laughs> And then the other, uh, other actual forms were, you know, they're, of course, they're eternally married in one sense, and these forms of being paraki was kind of an illusion. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's the idea there. So um, the counter-argument, of course, is that um, Vishnu says that it was written as, you know, just to pacify people uh, who were a little disturbed by the paraki aspects of Krishna's pastimes. Huh? And then he supports his idea, and then he goes counter-arguments by saying that Jiva Goswami actually doesn't mean this or this and this, and he gives some interpretation of his words like that. Uh, and he says, in any case, uh, we cannot say that the Pariki is not eternal, because it's in the material world, and in the material world, it goes from universe to universe to universe to universe, it keeps going on. So as long as it's a universe, it goes on, Pariki arrests, just like the birth goes on, so the, the Parakya Ras will go on with the Gobis and Vrindavan. The only the counter-argument would be, well, then the universe ends. <laughs> so then there is, a, it, a, that, then it's, uh, the Parakya is there as long as it's in the material world, and it's maybe eternal as long as it's in the material world, but the material world goes, disappears, and goes back into Mahavishnu, so there's nothing there. So then uh, Vishnu's counter-argument is, Supreme Lord makes another universe out of Maya, <laughs> illusory universe, and within that the pastimes still go on. <laughs> so that, that's his argument that the Pariki is also eternal. <laughs> it comes up also in the commentary on the Brahma Sutras where he talks about, uh, it talks about the, uh, the, the, the gopis, etc. Then he, he mentions there in his commentary, okay, then this is Sakya, he says there. You know, so. It comes up several places, the idea of Svakya, Brahma, uh, uh, the uh, Brahma-samhita. Brahma-samhita. Yeah. So, two questions, Mark. Just following on from the, the response to the Jiva-Gopis question uh, about the Gopis getting married, you know, Krishna comes back to Vrindavan after he fills Gandhavaka and then, then the Gopis get married to Krishna. How does that fit with the description by the Acharyas of that year in the leading up to Brahma and Mohan Leela, where you know when, when Krishna is expanding his all the cows and, and, and the cowboy boys, some of the Acharyas comment that Krishna marries all the gods during that period. So how does that fit with that? Oh well, um, that's uh, not quoted by our Goswamis as such. I think maybe it comes in with Garga Samhita or some of that. I know that people do quote that, but. Um, uh, Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Vishwanath don't even quote that anywhere, so I don't know. <laughs> Therefore, how that fits in, they, they don't give any explanation for that. Yeah. And the, other thing, the other thing is, you were talking about you know, how Vishnu David and his prayers, he, he's mentioning how you're bewildered by the Lord's yeah. 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 And also, we see that, that 
What to speak of everyone else? <laughs> What's the hope for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, that bewilderment they're talking about—that's part of the yoga maya, yeah? and it's there for a certain purpose to create a little tension, uh, which creates a little taste in the pastime. So, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? <laughs> Ultimately, after the pastimes, oh, that's what—that's what the Lord—that's the purpose of that. That's the That's why He did the Kurukshetra War. That's why He did this. Yeah. Uh, so there's certain uh, reasons why the Lord does it, and after it's all over, then they can be begin to understand to some degree what's going on. They can't understand, even though, as Nita said, as they should have all powers, but it's covered over for you know giving a little tension within the pastimes, only you, for that reason. Even we see you know, in the pastimes where, where you know, where um, Ashtakama threw the master to destroy was in the womb. Yeah. And Kunti was seeing how Krishna cut, she was actually able to visualize Krishna covering the, covering the embryo. Yeah. And he was in the womb, yet she also saw him outside. Uh -huh. And she's saying, this is the world thing, I can't understand it. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, so that, that, that means that uh, Krishna has so many inconceivable powers that even it's puzzling for the devotees. Now, of course, to a certain extent, devotees should understand something, but again, by the yoga maya potency of the Lord, even that gets a little covered over and they get really surprised. Huh? How, can he, how can he be like this, have two forms inside and outside or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Or we find even the gopis that in the Ras Lila, Krishna expanded himself to be with each gopi, and there was a gopi and a Krishna, a gopi and a Krishna, and one had their shoulders on Krishna's like this. But nobody understood that. The gopis didn't understand that. They thought, Krishna's with me, dancing with me. <laughs> and Krishna was also in the middle with Radharani. <laughs> and they're all saying, Krishna's with me, Krishna's with me. How is it possible? Because <laughs> he can bewilder them in that way. And it's good for them because Krishna is, in one sense, with every gopi and personally has a relationship with them. So like that. Well, there's also an interesting description in the 10th canto, you know, when the pastime of Akasura. And Krishna was bewildered by his own power. Yeah. Oh, well, how is this happening? <laughs> yeah, or Krishna again sees himself in the reflection and says, who's that? <laughs> it's such a wonderful person, <laughs> so attractive. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he fell in love with his own reflection. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's Krishna so beautiful, attracts even himself <laughs> to show the, the great attractive nature of the power. But obviously, Krishna, we say this is part of the uh, potency of the Supreme Lord that it appears he doesn't know something, and even he gets surprised. You know? uh, or uh, when Krishna. Uh, looked in uh, when uh, Madhya Soda uh, accused Krishna of eating the dirt and then he says open your mouth and then Krishna says what am I going to do now and he opened his mouth and then suddenly it just happened the universe, the universe appeared in his mouth and he wasn't even he was a little surprised by that also but the, his Shakti worked and did it so very good there seems to be a, a certain degree of playfulness in mm. this as well because you know that, that pastime where, where, um, where Lord Shiva wanted to see, you know, the Hindu mercy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it describes there how Krishna sort of like paused for a moment, and then it's described that actually Krishna's thinking, oh, this is going to be difficult to, to bewilder him, but uh -huh. he did
which means that uh, his yoga might act on even him in some ways, and he can look like a, you know um, like an ordinary human or something like that. And, Bodies. So when Krishna says to Arjuna, you and me have passed many lives yeah, yeah. and remember all that we're not you, yeah. it seems yeah. to imply that actually Arjuna, that body is temporary. Yeah. Well, again, that's uh, we said the yoga by potency. They don't they don't realize it because Krishna takes that from them. But they're eternally obviously they're in the spiritual world and in every universe they have pastimes like that. But Arjuna is not aware of that. And Krishna can be aware of that, and Arjuna isn't, because Krishna, he can restrict the knowledge even of the Nityasiddha devotees, so that they're thinking only of this time. For instance, also, uh, all the people of Vrindavan are the Nanda and Yasoda and cowherd boys, Sri Dhamma, Sudham are eternal. Simultaneously, they're in the spiritual world, because they never leave the spiritual world. But when they're in, the, in, in this material world, having passed lives, they're not like, oh, actually, we're also in the spiritual world. <laughs> they don't know they're in two places at once. They think, I'm here. Okay. So Krishna limits their, 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 and also they're in some other universe having pastimes as well, but they don't, they're not aware of that. So Krishna limits their, their, their knowledge, even though it's spiritual, so he limits that. Then, so they can participate fully in pastimes at the moment. Yeah, and in, in all the different in all the different universes, they appear again, and also in the spiritual world. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just a body that gradually one one Vishma that leaves body with the other and everything. Yes, appearance. Yeah, it's non-material, it's a pastime. Like Krishna leaves his body also, and so they leave their bodies, but actually they have spiritual <laughs> bodies. So it's a way. And Krishna also appears in this material world like a little baby, like he's born, but actually he's not born. <laughs> So similarly, they will take birth and whatever, but actually, it's only an appearance. They're eternal in nature. So when they say Vishnu left his body, it's Well, yeah, he's eternal. So no, actually, he's got a spiritual body, and he goes in some other universe, and he's participating again in Krishna's pastimes with a spiritual body. So, yeah, Krishna also left his body, <laughs> apparently. So it's not true either, in one sense. It's eternal. Yeah. And then another thing is in relation to the others and how do I can use the mic? Yeah. Um, so what happened to the queens, the 16,000 queens? They also disappeared? Uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah. So the, the actual queens are eternal again, like the Yadus. So they're eternally having pastimes with Krishna and Dwarka. We can't see it, but they're there. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, they're also in the spiritual world there. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's actual. And then, of course, they have their own way of disappearing within this material world. Oh yeah, Vajra was uh, with the grandson. Yeah. So that was the only he was left in Mathura, actually. Yeah? He, he became the uh, king of Mathura, uh, Vajra. He established mostly all the deities. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were a few descendants left, uh, but uh, not many. <laughs> so they had children as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were how many children of the? Uh, each had uh, Krishna had what ten sons and one daughter by each of the queens. <laughs> and they also had. Each of those sons had been sons. Yeah, yeah, so with a lot of people there. And somehow they all disappeared. Well, he made them all disappear. Sorry? <laughs> he made them all disappear except for a few. Or like, yeah. Yeah. Ah, I think they all, after Vajra, I don't know what happened after Vajra. He have any descendants? Because he seemed to be one of those sole remaining descendants of that dynasty, and then he had disappeared. So. Not many. And of course, in any case, there were, uh, after that, there were no proper people to rule at all. And that's why, and then the last descendant was the, uh, the last descendant from Manu's reign. He's, he went away, disappeared completely, went up to the Himalayas. So he's the, the bona fide ruler, but he's not here anymore. So that was the last descendant. But he's not visible anymore. Of course, there are people in India that claim we're the Goshas. We are the cowherd people. We are descendants from you know the cowherd people, the Gosh lineages in India. We're called Gosha. You know, that, that those families claim it, but you know, that says. Well, I think one thing is they, they, they just march up until they pass away. That was the whole vrata in one sense. You just march until you fall down and finished. That's their way of disappearing. So this is like a leela in one sense because they've got eternal bodies anyway. So that they just uh, follow the vrata mm -hmm. and they just disappear one after the other. Mm. I was listening to a, a class a few days ago, Prophet was reading on verse 45. Mm. And someone had asked him the, the question about this walk to the Himalayas ah. and where that was. Ah. And Shura Prabhupada said, well, it's described as the Himalayas on both sides, they're bordered by oceans. He said, therefore, I think this is the Arctic Circle. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Which is quite a walk. <laughs> Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's known Narayana Rishi, just one the one body, isn't it? Just two. Just two. Yeah, yeah, they're they're twins. <laughs> yeah. And they're both still present performing austerity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually uh, in the Krishna Sandarbha there it's explained that all these things that oh well it is some it looks like it's the Narayan expand as Krishna Arjuna, but it's actually it's the opposite. <laughs> that they're their umsas. So Narayan are umsas of Krishna and Arjuna. They're, they're their expansions or partial forms. <laughs> okay. Hare Krishna.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutade Shimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namani Namaste Saraswata Deve Gauravani Prachadane Nirvashesha Shunyavadi Pashtachadesha Tadane Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasudhi Gaurabhakta Rinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Shiman Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 15, verse 47 and 48. Tajano Driktaya Bhaktya Narayana Yogatim Avapa duravapamte Asadber vishai atma bihi Viduta kalamasastanam Virajain atma naiva hi Translation thus by pure consciousness due to constant devotional remembrance they attained the spiritual sky, which is ruled over by the Supreme Narayana, Lord Krishna. This is attained only by those who meditate upon the one Supreme Lord without deviation. This abode of the Lord, Sri Krishna, known as Goloka Vrindavan, cannot be attained by persons who are absorbed 
in the material conception of life. But the Pandavas, being completely washed of all material contamination, attained that abode in their very same bodies. Purport, according to Srila Jiva Goswami, a person freed from the three modes of material nature, namely goodness, passion, and ignorance, and situated in transcendence, can reach the highest perfection of life without change of body. Srila Sanatana Goswami in his Hari Bhakti Vilas says that a person, whatever he may be, can attain the perfection of a twice-born Brahmana by undergoing the spiritual disciplinary actions under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, exactly as a chemist can turn gunmetal into gold by chemical manipulation. It is therefore the actual guidance that matters in the process of becoming a Brahmana, even without change of body, or in going back to Godhead without change of body. Srila Jiva Gosami remarks that the word he used in this connection positively affirms this truth, and there's no doubt about this factual position. The Bhagavad Gita also confirms the statement of Srila Jiva Goswami when the Lord says that anyone who executes devotional service systematically without deviation can attain the perfection of Brahman by surpassing the contamination of the three modes of material nature and when the Brahman perfection is still more advanced by self-same execution of devotional service there is no doubt at all that one can attain the Supreme Spiritual Planet, Goloka Vrindavan, without change of body, as we have already discussed in connection with the Lord's returning to his abode without a change of body. Translation, thus by pure consciousness due to constant devotional remembrance, they attain the spiritual sky, which is ruled over by the Supreme Narayan, Lord Krishna. This is attained only by those who meditate upon the one Supreme Lord without deviation. This abode of the Lord Sri Krishna, known as Goloka Vrindavan, cannot be attained by persons who are absorbed in the material conception of life. But the Pandavas, being completely washed of all material contaminations, attain that abode in their very same bodies. So here we see the destination of the Pandavas described, as well as their qualification. Uh, so in the uh, devotional literatures, uh, there is a goal defined for the jiva, uh, and that is a spiritual goal, not in the material world. Nevertheless, it is a place, uh, and not only it's a place, but the person also goes there, and that person also has a body. Uh, so this is a rather distinct goal, different from the goal of the impersonalists, which is also described in the scripture. And that is, uh, we also get a spiritual goal, but there's no particular place and there's no particular body. Uh, so this is what we call the nirvishesha brahman. Uh, so nirvishesha means without quality, without distinctions. Vishesha means uh, can mean uh, distinctions or qualities, etc. Uh, so that Brahman has no distinctive qualities at all. We cannot 
itemize something within that Brahman. So there is no place, there is no body, there is no form, etc. No name or anything. Uh, so that goal is often described in these scriptures. And on the other hand, here we find a different goal described that uh, of course, these are the, like the heroes uh, in the Mahabharata, and they are getting the, this abode of the Lord um, described here as something very rare, and it cannot be attained by those persons who are absorbed in the Brahman, those who are cultivating jnana and yoga and enter into the Brahman. Those persons cannot get that abode. It is impossible for them to get it. So that's expressed in the second verse that uh, it is not attained by uh, vishayatma bi asadbi, those persons who are uh, concentrating on uh, material things or even on atma, uh, they cannot get there. So uh, not only materialists can't get there, but even those who uh, practice uh, Jnana and yoga cannot attain this particular place. Uh, so it is non-material and therefore a materialist can't go there. But also, even if one is a spiritualist, such as the uh, Ghanis and the Yogis, they can also not go to this place. So it is very, very rare. Uh, and nevertheless, it's easily attained by one who is a devotee. So this particular instance is the Pandavas. And they went in their same body. So in other words, the Pandavas were related to each other as brothers and uh, they had particular qualities, uh, they had particular dress, particular forms, etc. And when they went to the spiritual world, they had exactly the same forms. Uh, so as Prabhupada mentions in the purport, this is the same as Krishna. Krishna may depart from this world, but uh, He's in the spiritual world and he has the same form. So there's no change at all in these uh, forms of the persons. Uh, on the other hand, we do know that uh, devotees who are practicing in this world, uh, those who are doing sadhana, they develop prema and uh, they are meditating on a different body. Yeah? So that is, of course, very obvious in um, uh, Raghunuga Bhakti, where you choose to uh, take up a, a spiritual body, which is quite different from your body, usually. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, some may uh, meditate on a cowherd boy or a gopi, so that's not your body now, it's a completely different body. Uh, it may be uh, uh, five years old or eight years old, and now we are <laughs> 40 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, so body is quite different. <laughs> and of course we know that the bodies in the material world age and eventually they die because they're material. But the body that you attain in the spiritual world is eternal. It doesn't age at all. It's a particular age. And it stays like that forever. So those bodies are different, completely different. Uh, of course, uh, we can say that ultimately, um, even those devotees who seem to give up a body and attain another body don't really attain a body because internally they're already in that body. So externally we may have a body um, in the material world, but internally if we have uh, got prema, then we have another body also. So that body is the same one there. Uh, they attain in the spiritual world, so they don't really attain anything, they've already got it. <laughs> uh, so this is the, uh, the procedure for the devotee, unlike those who 
uh, practice jnana and karma and uh, yoga. Hmm? So, in uh, the material world, uh, we are subject to death, and then uh, the soul, along with the subtle body, goes into another material body, which is quite different from this body. And that's according to your desires and your karma. You get another body. So you may get a human body. You may get an animal body if you do sinful, a lot of sinful activities. Uh, or you may get even a plant body. Or if you do many pious activities, you may get a devata body, a higher body on a, another planet, uh, another material planet. So you keep changing bodies all the time, and they're all material, and they're all subject to death. The Lord makes a little bit of arrangement for people that it's, you can get to a high, high level in this material world, so it's almost perfect. In other words, you can live unheard of number of years, you can live thousands of years, uh, you can live millions of years uh, in, the, in, in these uh, higher bodies. Uh, so for instance, the, the devatas uh, live for um, 71 yuga cycles, and, the, and they're ruling over the heavenly planets for 71 yuga cycles each, and then somebody else comes in and takes over within the day of Brahma. So then each, each yuga cycles over four million years, so four million years times 71, that's the lifespan of Indra and Agni and Varuna, etc. And the sages. Uh, so they get to live quite a long period of time. But of course, we even get people who live longer than that, and we get Brahma who lives for his hundred years, which is extraordinary long period of time, and it's also a material body. So, if you want to uh, have long um, lifespan within the material world, with the material body, Krishna arranges that for you. Uh, and you can have almost no physical pain and very little problems like old age and disease, etc. on these higher planets. So, that's an arrangement for people who so desire it. Nevertheless, it's also temporary and it's relative. So we saw in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita that Brahma's on his planet and uh, he's getting praised as being the best devotee because he has such a long lifespan and Vishnu's living on his planet and whatever, he's, he's free of worries, etc. But he's actually not so. I'm also subject to worries. Sometimes demons come up here also and I have to run away and hide or whatever. I'm subject to fear. And then I'm always thinking at the end of my hundred years, I have to leave, <laughs> to give up this body. So he gets worried by that also. So no matter how um, perfect a position we have within this material world, there's going to be some problem, because it's just simply the nature of the material world. And so in other words, no perfect place in the material world. Right? Uh, so in other words, uh, the jivas are striving for a perfect life, a perfect place. Uh, eternal life, eternal happiness. And that's why each jiva is struggling in this material world to get that. Unfortunately, we don't get it. Uh, we can get some relative type of peace and whatever in each life, uh, lifetime, but uh, that's it. Ultimately, we do have to suffer, we have to give up that particular situation and go into a new situation. Huh? Uh, so, therefore, those who are intelligent will understand that this is not the ultimate goal for us, just to go to higher planets. 
For those on a lower level, it's very good. And therefore, to achieve that, we have the purpose, the, the, the process of karma yoga, by which you can live peaceably, nicely in this world as, as much as possible, and even go higher planets and get longer lifespan, less disease, etc., until you can get up to Brahmaloka, where it's millions and millions and millions of years, and, and no disease, no old age, etc. So, uh, uh, people, some people will be content with that. That's, they don't care whether it's eternal or not, it's just long, but uh, those who are more intelligent realize it's all relative. So for Brahma, again, it's just like down here. <laughs> he's got his problems, he's got his lifespan, so he's subject to the same worries again, although it's on a higher level. So the intelligent person, therefore, will say this is not so good. And therefore, the scriptures also make other arrangements for us. So, uh, when we think uh, this is not such a nice place because subject to all these problems, uh, there must be a higher goal for us. So we can do that even without scripture. We can speculate like this. And we see that many philosophers do this. Some of them come to the completely wrong conclusion that ultimately enjoyment in the material world is the best thing of all. <laughs> they conclude like that. So that's the materialist. That is Charvaka Muni. He's a philosopher uh, in India and he had a, some following also. He wrote his own little works to support that philosophy. To eat and uh, enjoy as much as you can in this body because that's the Atma, that's the very self. Uh, so, uh, some people go beyond that stage and then they think, well, uh, you know, not, there must be something else. And finally they conclude there is some Atma or some soul. Uh, so that you can do by your, um, some people can do that by their intellect if they're very pure-minded or whatever. And that's exactly what happens to a person in Sattva Gun. They realize there's something beyond the material body. We got something else there. Can't quite define what it is, but something is there. So the scriptures define this more clearly. And they clearly say, like in Bhagavad Gita chapter 2, it's the Atma. There, there's, a, there's a particle of consciousness within you which is indestructible. And though the body is destroyed, that is not destroyed. And when you die, that particle goes to another body. And that's the actual you. That's the identity of the person, actually, the Atma. And it goes from body to body. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a uh, um, first step in uh, realization, spiritual realization, or not the material body or something beyond the material body. Therefore, the goal of life is beyond the material body. So this becomes the goal for some people. Let me realize Atma. Uh, so this is the goal of Jnana and Yoga. Uh, uh, they strive for Atma Jnana. And if they're fixed in that, then they're free from the material world. And that is called liberation. Uh, so um, the scriptures uh, encourage people to go beyond karma and material world and get up to that level of getting free from the material body. And therefore we'll find many scriptures talking about uh, liberation from this material world. So, it is actually uh, codified even within the Varnashram system, which is basically dealing with enjoyment in this material world. So, there uh, the goals of life are defined as Artha, Dharma, Kama, and Moksha. 
three of them are part of karma yoga and then the moksha is jnana yoga and astanga yoga uh, so the uh, the karma yoga deals with uh, attaining getting your material body satisfied which is artha and getting a little extra enjoyment called kama artha and kama and then rules by which you can attain that that is dharma controlling your senses etc and doing uh, punyas charitable works uh, so we have artha dharma kama and by uh, uh, doing the dharma then you can elevate yourself to brahma loka or sparga loka or wherever uh, so uh, that system of course includes the idea that it's inferior and therefore they say finally moksha is the goal but not so many people aspire for that in the Varnashram system so a few brahmanas will get to that stage a few people in sattva guna will get to that stage so therefore the jnanis are much and yogis are much uh, fewer than the karmis, those who are engaged in karma yoga. Okay. Uh, so nevertheless, uh, the inbuilt within the karma yoga is the idea you have to get out of the material world. <laughs> uh, so it's not complete uh, uh, material, it's not completely materialistic, the idea you get out of the material world. Uh, uh, so that is one stage, but um, we see that that's not the stage described here. Uh, that liberation is simply getting free of your material body. Uh, so what is that state? Yeah. There's uh, maybe two, two idea, uh, ways we can look at it. Uh, one is Atma-jnana. I'm not the body, I am a spiritual soul or something there. Atma, a conscious being. And then we strive to get out of the material world. So that finally results in getting out of the material world and you are a conscious being. But it's not very well defined. So therefore you're just existing, that's all. And there's no differentiation of anything. So this is what we call the Brahman state, merging in Brahman. Uh, we are some eternal uh, conscious entity uh, beyond the realm of uh, material uh, world and karma and ignorance etc. You know, we simply exist. <laughs> so this is called consciousness or chinmatra. Just consciousness but no consciousness of anything because there's no other object there. It's, it's, yeah, you start looking at things and you get materialistic again. <laughs> so it's just a state of consciousness existing. Huh? So that's how it's described. Uh, so this, this is quite different because uh, the Pandavas they attained a place in a, with a, a spiritual body. Quite different from this, where you, you're just out of the material world. Huh? So this uh, striving, this or self-realization and becoming Atma eventually leads to merging in Brahman, what we call merging in Brahman, that type of moksha. Huh? So, if you get liberated, simply get liberated with jnana and yoga, you're concentrating on getting out of the material world, rejecting material body, rejecting karma, rejecting material identification, the false ego, rejecting all the forms and attachments in the material world. So, that is your, your, your endeavor, and that determines your goal. So, what do you get? Absence of all of this. So, that's what we call a negative meditation. I don't want this, I don't want <laughs> So we end up with a negative result, absence of all these things. But here, uh, Prabhupada in the word for word, he talks about jnana as positive meditation. 
It's not an absence of something, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's meditating on something. <laughs> not, not having something, but having something. So that is what uh, bhakti is. Within bhakti we have a meditation. And in that meditation we're not meditating on no material body, no material uh, karma, no material actions, uh, no material place, etc. No material desires. What is a meditation? It is desire for Krishna. Uh, desire to serve and please the form of Krishna in the spiritual world. Uh, so that's what we call the positive meditation. Uh, uh, there's a meditation on a state where it's not a negation of the material world, but it's an affirmation of our spiritual life. Uh, uh, so uh, that is part of uh, bhakti. Uh, bhakti is, um, we, we translate that as devotion or devotional service. And technically in nectar devotion we define it as um, uh, cultivating a positive relationship with the Lord. A favorable relationship, a friendly relationship with the Supreme Lord. Krishna uh, Anusilanam. Uh, that is what devotional service is. So, And it's favorable and that means uh, with like, not with hatred, because we can also cultivate a relationship in hatred, so that's not what we're doing. We're cultivating a relationship of love with Krishna. And it is without other desires. Uh, so it's without desires for getting things for ourselves. Uh, it is without a material desire to uh, get material assets. And it's even without desire for liberation, which is also for the self, even though it's not material in one sense. Uh, so therefore we, uh, we're in, uh, we want to attain this state of pure love, unconditional love for the Lord, with no strings attached and nothing for ourself. Uh, so that is the, uh, the cultivation. And so that is why the word is used here, udriktaya uh, bhaktya, with, along with dhyana. So you're meditating with great devotion, without any mixture of anything, and very intensely we're doing this, free of all material contamination and material desires. We're uh, meditating on what? On serving the Lord. And somehow developing a pure state of love for the Supreme Lord. And that love, we call, why we call it service, is because it's expressed through action. So love has two aspects, or we can say that Krishna Anusilam has those two aspects, activity and emotion. The emotion is the love part, the action is the expression of the love. So, uh, we're taught in sadhana that um, we have different ways we can engage, hearing, chanting, remembering. Definition of sadhana bhakti is engage your senses and your mind. So then we use our senses in the mind to do the activities expressing our unconditional love for Krishna. Uh, so that's our process in sadhana. At the same time, we haven't got perfection. So we got all the anartas in the way, whatever, which will cause disturbance. Uh, so that we cannot do our devotional activities perfectly. They always get interrupted or whatever and our mind goes astray. Nevertheless, uh, it is also stated that the, the, the principle behind all of these angas of bhakti is to always remember the Lord and never forget Him. So somewhere the mind has to be involved in that also. <laughs> huh? So we're doing the activities, but the mind is also involved to keep us on track. 
to be thinking. This is this, I'm chanting for the pleasure of the Lord. I'm chanting to please the Lord. I'm doing this to please the Lord. Huh? And because we're stuck up material and artas, then our mind goes off, and that's the forgetting of the Lord. So the principle is, always remember the Lord, uh, don't forget Him. <laughs> so we try not to forget, and we try to remember. But in sadhana, we, we get this dual nature. Sometimes we forget, sometimes we remember. Okay? And, of course, if we're more successful, but we can remember the Lord more when we're doing our devotional activities. So this is what we call sadhana. Huh? And when one reaches the perfect state, there's no effort. It is all 100%. Always a remembrance of the Lord in all the activities. Always devotion, nothing else. <laughs> so when you're qualified like that, then automatically you go to the spiritual world. And that's exactly what the Pandavas were, the state they were in. <laughs> Always remembering the Lord. Therefore, naturally, they just join the Lord wherever He is, in some other universe or in the spiritual world. Um, so it's a natural result of their devotion. They, they get that uh, desired result uh, because of their concentration on that. Uh, uh, but in the case of uh, devotees like the Pandavas, they don't really have to put any effort. They've already they're already spontaneously remembering the Lord at all times. But for us, we have to concentrate on the process and um, uh, follow what is uh, favorable for our devotional development and understand what the rules and principles are. Mm, okay. Any question? Marjan says that in the material world that the the lowest level of realization is the physical, like with the gross body connecting with. Yeah. So yeah, like the deities where we can do physical services and that way connect. Um, but as you get more advanced, it becomes more subtle like through the sound and through the mind meditation. Like but it seems like I mean, in the past times that like these most advanced ways like the gopis now they're not satisfied just with that subtle. They want to physically. Well, everything is absolute in the spiritual world, so therefore, even we, even in separation, they get the highest bliss. <laughs> so that Krishna is not physically present, but somehow within that separation where Krishna is not there, they get the highest bliss. That could only result if Krishna is there also somehow or other. And it's a higher bliss even than the bliss of meeting. So the, the distinctions between meeting and separation become very blurred at that point. And whether Krishna is present or we call spurti or whatever is actual sakshat or spurti direct or internal revelation, that those borders seem to disappear at one point in time by Krishna's extraordinary powers and mercy or whatever. <laughs> Uh, so, of course, we do have externally, yes, they, 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 uh, uh, generally they strive for sakshat. Uh, and, of course, even in sadhana, when we get to prema, then the, the first thing is uh, in bhava, it's more or less internal, and then prema becomes sakshat, and suddenly Krishna is there in front of you, and that's the, that's the goal, the personal meeting with Krishna. Yeah. Um, 
Is there bhakti also? Yes. Oh yes, uh, uh, we see like in Briyad Bhagavatamrita, Narada Muni goes there because uh, they, 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 they tell him, okay, better be a devata than a king on here because Indra, he's a great devotee and the Lord is there on his planet at all times. He, the Lord wouldn't be there if he wasn't a devotee. Uh, so they, they do have devotion and of course there also is the prominence of Sattva Gun there, so very little, uh, the anarchists are fewer. Not perfect, but nevertheless they're all devotees. And you go to Brahmaloka then, Brahma is a great devotee, he's the head of our Sampradaya. <laughs> so you can only go there if you're, you know, you have great devotion and, if you, and to be appointed by, as any devata, you have to be a devotee of the Lord also. Otherwise, you wouldn't follow the Lord's, Lord's instructions and you wouldn't be a very good devata. <laughs> so they're all, they're all devotees there. But I have heard that it's sometimes harder when you're on the higher planet. What's that? It's harder to go well, they have more sattvic enjoyment, so they may be attached to that position and they have less uh, impetus for no reminders, so much reminder of the nature of the material world. Uh, but the main reason ultimately is that uh, Krishna appears on earth and then Lord Chaitanya appears on earth, so we get that good fortune. That's, that's what makes it good for us. <laughs> and therefore the David is also say, let us come down and be born on earth at this time because we get the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And second question is, uh, those who have a material and love, unconditional love in the material world? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, in the material world, the unconditional love, of course, is not pure, but relatively speaking, it's better than the selfish things. So we have humanitarian type of people that do selfless activities for others. So, it, it's definitely a step upwards. So in, um, in Karma Yoga itself, we have Sakama Karma Yoga, where you do want to get your results for yourself, and we've got Nishkama Karma Yoga. Okay, we're not going to do it. I'm not doing it for myself anymore. Lord says, do it, I'll do it. And, and we do it not for ourselves. So that's more or less the, the level of, you know, unmotivated. Uh, uh, still, the, we can say that love or whatever is not quite the same because it's directed in the material world, so it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> huh? So the real unconditional love, the object has to be sp a spiritual object, then we can actually have unconditional love. So any love we express in the material world still got some sort of condition, subtle condition for us, so that's what makes it different. Nevertheless, it's a step above the selfishness of uh, other things in the material world, so in that sense it's favorable. Huh? We have say, less attachments. If we're in Tamagun, and uh, I don't think we can express unconditional love in the material world even, but if you're in Sattva, very easy to do that. So in that sense, it's favorable. Uh, nevertheless, uh, bhakti and faith can appear anywhere in Tamagun, Rajagun, or Sattvagun, any person. So that's the extraordinary nature of bhakti. Even if you don't have some good qualifications, somehow or other, if you get mercy of devotees, you can still advance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they're in prema, bhava and prema. Yeah. So at bhava stage, we still got our material body. Prema, we still got our material body. We're still going through the process of, you know, 
a development until we get to Prema. So in Baba stage, then it's described that you get the Hladini and Sambit Shaktis manifesting in the Jiva at that point, and then you can perceive the Lord. So that means you develop some spiritual perception somewhere. <laughs> so you must have some eyes and some something like that. And then you begin to serve the Lord because uh, if you get to Prema, then you're actually serving the Lord. So to do that, you need a body. So that simultaneous with the Bhava and Prema is you get spiritual senses and spiritual body in order to serve the Lord. And you serve the Lord in that body. So externally, we still got this body. Internally, in Bhava and Prema, when you see the Lord, then you're seeing Him with another body actually and you're serving it in that body whatever it is a forearm Vishnu type Vishnu Duda form or a cowherd boy or a gopi or manjari whatever it is so then you will you'll perceive them in that body so we got the internal one external one so then with the pandas do they always have spiritual yeah because they're always a, yeah 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 and they, and they go from universe to universe when Krishna has his or within this universe also and when Krishna appears then they're always going to be there like that Of, of course, we, we find that there are stories where we see the sages or the devatas seem to have faults and then they uh, do foolish acts and even hmm, Indra fights with Krishna <laughs> over the Parijat flower or he rains water down on Govardhan <laughs> and harasses all the people of Raja who are devotees of the Lord so he seems to commit offense and, uh, and many other devatas do other things also but uh, ultimately Baladavidya Bhusan says in his commentary, I think, on Lago Bhagavatamrita, that we shouldn't uh, deride the devatas for this, or even Brahma when he does whatever he does, because it's all more or less arrangement of the Lord and for his pastimes. So don't blame them because they are devotees of the Lord. So somehow, just like Arjuna gets confused and stops fighting, doesn't want to fight the battle of Kurukshetra, just the yoga maya potency of the Lord for pastimes so that Bhagavad Gita can be spoken. Or same with Parikshit. Why did he offend the Brahmana? <laughs> it was very strange he would do so because he was a great king. So again, yoga maya. So in this way, we, we shouldn't uh, magnify their faults too much. Nevertheless, it does show that anybody in the material world, if they're not on the you know prima level, then they can commit some mistakes somewhere or other. There's possibility of uh, you know mistakes and offenses and whatever like that. So we have to be careful in that, in that case. So. so in the higher planets, they have uh, devotion, etc. It's going to be a little different because 
uh, our particular process uh, following Lord Chaitanya is Nansankirtan and we're in Kali Yuga and that's the Yuga Dharma etc and we got the mercy of Lord Chaitanya there they're more or less all Vishnu Bhaktas and whatever and it's difficult for them to understand Krishna so at best they understand Vishnu so there's the Vishnu form in uh, Indra Loka there's a Vishnu form up there on uh, uh, Brahma Loka also like that so they're generally worshippers of Vishnu in a very Vaidhi type of mood rather than with Krishna so they're a little bit different in their mode of expression um, in relation to separation being the highest bliss, um, it seems like the gopis like don't enjoy it at all. Like they're going mad and pretty much dying. Yeah. Around. So understanding that that will then increase the the love on Krishna is there, or is there something in that separation, even though they seem they don't enjoy it, that there is well what looks like uh, pain to us and lamentation and death-like symptoms etc that's actually part of prema itself these are symptoms of prema which is difficult for us to understand but it's within the the prema then we have these uh, what are called vibhachari bhavas etc which may become extreme and then it causes sattvika bhavas like fainting etc crying and fainting etc so but it's all part of prema itself and it reaches, we can say it reaches intense levels in separation and particularly prolonged separation when Krishna leaves Vrindavan and goes to Mathura and Dwarka. Uh, but nevertheless, it's also part of Prema. But it's difficult for us to understand because in the material world, it's duality. It's either suffering or happiness. And they're, they're opposites. They're not the same. <laughs> but there in the spiritual world, the, what is called suffering and happiness are all kind of the, the same part of the same thing. And they get merged into each other. And within one, there's the other. Within separation, there is union. Within union, there's separation. So it's quite different. It's beyond our material logic and our material experience. Yeah, different question as well. Um, I'm not so concerned with this, but I know a lot of people strive for these goals. I'm just wondering the difference with the similarities between um, liberation, merging with Brahman and Nirvana. Are they the same thing, or there's, there's differences between these two? Uh, you know, for emerging from modern liberation, more or less, that's the same thing. Huh? Uh, nirvana is uh, a Buddhist term originally, but we also see it sometimes coming up in uh, Gaudiya literature, uh, which literally means extinction. Uh, so that's what we call the Sunya Vad philosophy of nothingness. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's just a philosophical point. Uh, if for the people getting liberation, they're attaining a, at least a positive state of Brahman or Atma. In Nirvana, they're attaining nothing. There is no Atma, there is no spiritual entity called Brahman as an aspect of the Supreme Lord. They're simply getting rid of illusion of ego and body and karma and ignorance, etc. And they enter in the state of nothingness. So that's what Nirvana is. But it's quite similar in experience. Uh, uh, we can say it's a peaceful state without any consciousness of any particular thing. <laughs> so of course it's nothingness, but then it's, it's not conscious even. It's no, no consciousness is there because that's an aspect of your material mind. So it, it's a completely negative state. And that's what I like extreme Buddhism. Then we'll probably get modifications of that in, in uh, other types of Buddhism which are compromised a little bit. Maybe they have a little something there or whatever. Okay. Uh, but that's basically what Nirvana is, a negative state. We do, of course, have devotional Buddhism, in which there is a golden Buddha. <laughs> and they have a process of chanting the name of Buddha also. <laughs> so.
So it's quite similar to bhakti in one sense. Amida sect. Amitabha. Worship Amitabha Buddha. Go to the golden land. <laughs> so that's personal Buddhism. Oh, okay. One question. Unconditional love not being directed at material things, but what about um, directed toward another soul, which is also spiritual, which is a part of Krishna? Yeah. So having unconditional love, say for a mother, for a child, yeah. if you're not loving them just because they are a child, you're loving them because they're a soul. Yeah. Yeah, we can, but uh, generally it's very difficult to do it unless we first realize Supreme Lord. <laughs> if we try to separate everything from Krishna, and then it's only souls we're looking at the soul inside. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, so uh, it becomes natural if we develop uh, a realization of Supreme Lord or Krishna, then naturally we do have compassion for everyone. So that compassion also is unmotivated. It's not like the material compassion, which will have some covering of ego somewhere. Uh, so if we develop a, a you know, relationship with the Lord, then we develop qualities like the Lord, and He's full of compassion for everybody, and that's unconditional also. So therefore, the, the jivas also develop a similar type of compassion for all jivas. So that's unconditional love for jivas, but it's always related to the Lord also because that love will be expressed in how to make that jiva perfectly happy and the only way is by bhakti. <laughs> so his compassion is in terms of bhakti. Okay. Hare Krishna.